Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women. A project like this cannot happen without the support of companies who believe in the mission and the message. One such company is Videobox, a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to premium stock footage everyone can afford. Sign up for a free 7-day trial at videoblox.com RFS. I also want to give props to Song Freedom. They not only sponsor our regular episodes, but Song Freedom has come aboard to sponsor the Breaking the Glass podcast and film series. We need legal music for your video productions, including mainstream tunes and oldies but goodies. Head on over to songfreedom.com radio to unlock your free standard gold level license worth $30. We thank Song Freedom and Video Blocks for their support. Lastly, after the credits, I have a special message for you women filmmakers out there. I need to take you to task about something, so be sure to stick around for that. Okay, now on with the show. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. So if you find yourself in a, in, just in the beginning stages of a communication conflict, it's really good to have a professional work with you to kind of get you back on track. What you're listening to now is a scene from an online video series I made about 10 years ago called Great Expectations. See, this is a perfect example. Doc, he does not listen. He does not listen. Are you listening? I'm listening. It was a short, fun, and satirical comedy series about a marriage counseling session between two newlyweds, interjected with real counselors giving real advice. It was all part of my content marketing plan to get exposure for my video business, which at the time was focused on weddings. This particular episode was about the importance of listening to your spouse. Doc, what's with this listening thing? She wants me to listen to her. You want us to pay you to listen to us? I gotta say, this listening thing is really overrated. Earlier this month, I celebrated my 14th wedding anniversary, and hands down, one of the most important lessons I've learned as a husband, and one that I still struggle with, to be quite honest, is listening. And by listening, I mean truly listening, having my heart and mind open to what my wife is saying and not feeling the need to either defend my position or solve her problems. Sometimes, as is often the case with women, she doesn't need or want me to come in and conjure up a solution. She just needs a sympathetic ear. But that is one of the big differences between men and women, isn't it? I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School's miniseries, Breaking the Glass. Stories about gender, race, and making it in the biz. I think my favorite illustration about a man's need to solve a problem and a woman's desire to just be heard is the comedy short film It's Not About the Nail. I'm sure many of you have seen it. It has like over 13 million views on YouTube and over 4 million views on Vimeo. It's by comedian and filmmaker Jason Heatley. Now on the off chance you haven't seen the film, it starts with this woman telling her boyfriend about all this pressure in life she's feeling. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it. 
in my head, and it's relentless. The shot is framed so that we see a close-up of her eyes and nose. Her forehead is composed just out of frame. She then continues. I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. At that point, we cut to a medium shot of her profile. She turns to her boyfriend, played by Jason, and you see a huge nail sticking out of her head. The looks on Jason's face as he tries to quote-unquote solve her problem are priceless. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. What I love about it so much, besides the fact that to this day it still cracks me up, is that it does a wonderful job of illustrating to both men and women... The frustrations men feel when they hear a problem they feel like they know they can fix. I mean, come on, am I right or am I right? How many times has your girlfriend, wife, or any female friend come to you with a problem and your immediate reaction is to jump in and save the day, to fix the problem? A huge part of listening is being able to hear what the other person is saying and to do so being fully present and not planning your counter defense or your rescue ops. And I have to admit, I think that's a hard thing for most men to do. But recently I had an experience that was a real eye-opener. And it was indicative of why part of me feels like there will never be any significant change in this whole gender inequality issue. I know that sounds really cynical, but this experience just, just, it was so soul-crushing. It was a rather demoralizing and frustrating exchange I had on Facebook. I know, shocker, right? Drama and frustration on Facebook. But you know how sometimes you can share a post or something on Facebook that you think is totally safe? Something that you have no idea will drum up any kind of controversy. Either something that seems really positive or something that seems really obvious. And even though the topic might be related to something that is provocative, that particular incident doesn't necessarily seem to be so. Well, last week I saw this video of a black woman explaining how she was at the grocery store with her sister-in-law, who is biracial, half black and half white. But her sister-in-law looks white. Blue eyes, whiter than most white folks, very white. So we're going in a safe way, one day. And um, Kathleen, my my sister-in-law, is in front of me. And she's, uh, you know, writing a check for her groceries. But the checker, this young woman, is talking to Kathleen. Hey, how you doing? This is a nice day today. They're just chatting up. And she says, yeah, so Kathy writes her, her check. And she steps off to the side with her groceries because she's waiting for me. So I come up. No conversation. She looks up at me. Absolutely no, just a little chatter. And uh, I write my check. My daughter, however, is 10, notices immediately the difference in how she responds to me. So I write my check, and she goes, I'm going to need two pieces of ID. So the woman goes on to explain how this checker treated the sister-in-law so differently than the black woman who was telling the story. She then ended her story. Just as I'm standing there um, trying to decide what to do, and it's really deeply humiliating. Now my my daughter is in full-blown emotionally upset, who's 10. My sister-in-law walks back over, and she steps in, and she says, excuse me, why are you doing this? 
She goes, well, um, this is our policy. She goes, no, it's not your policy because you didn't do that with me. So you see, she used her white privilege. And even though Kathleen is half black and half white, she recognizes what that means. And she made the statement. She pointed out the injustice. And she, as a result of that one act, influenced everyone in that space. But what would have happened? I can't know for certain had the black woman said, this is unfair, why are you doing this to me? Would it have had the same impact? But Kathleen knew that she walked through the world differently than I did. And she used her white privilege to educate and make right a situation that was wrong. That's what you can do every single day. Now, maybe I'm naive, but I thought this was a great illustration. It seems obvious to me that in this country, there is a history of racial prejudice towards African Americans. And when you're white, or in this case, you look white, you have advantages that people of color just don't have. Well, one person responded on this thread that this black woman should have stood up for herself and made an example of the checker. Now, the person who made this comment was white. In particular, he was a white male. And naturally, I'm like, well, it's easy for you, a white man, to say this, that a black woman should have stood up for herself. It's not this guy's experience of being a white man in the United States to have been the frequent victim or subject of racism. Now, I know there are parts of this country where most of the people are black or Latino or some other minority. And if you're white and you go into that part of the country, you may be treated differently. I fully understand that. But here's the issue. And this goes to my point about why I feel deflated about this gender inequality thing. It seems that you have to be significantly ignorant of the history of racism in this country not to know that the experiences of black people dealing with racism from whites is a whole world different than the experience of whites who may have experienced racial prejudice from blacks. There isn't a history of whites being lynched by blacks or being killed for looking at black women. There isn't a history of Jim Crow-like laws inhibiting white people from certain rights and privileges. So, while I do recognize that either race can suffer prejudice from actions from the other side, clearly history has shown that there is a bigger problem for one versus the other. And the same thing goes for gender inequality. But it is not the perspective of that commenter on my Facebook post to know what it's like to walk in the shoes of a black woman. And against my better judgment, I continued to engage in a debate with him on Facebook about why it's not wise for a white person, a white man of all things, to tell a black woman how she should or should not have acted when facing an act of racial injustice. But it later hit me, though. I think there are some cases, if I'm being honest, where... I have been to women what this Facebook commenter was to me as a black person. In my now infamous Think Like a Man episode, I made strong arguments about how and why women should act a certain way in order to combat sexism and gender inequality. And I think at times I may have done it without a sensitive listening ear. Here's an excerpt from my conversation with show regular Yolanda Cochran in that episode. You're right. And so... I think maybe a better way of phrasing it is in the right situation, women should act like men. No, women should come in and say with confidence, here's what I need, and I'm not accepting anything less. But that's what men do. That's the point. I know, but that should just be what people do. But, but, that, but if like acting but, like men. women should women should be conditioned to have that predisposition as opposed to say, oh, they should act like men. Sure, sure. But even going back to Sheryl uh, Sandberg's comment, you know, the CEO of Facebook, she was making the point that 
women don't do that. And even in that com- earlier in that conversation, I don't remember her name offhand, but she was one of the female CEOs of one of the studios. She was talking about the speech, you know, um, ask not what you can do for yourself, ask what you can do for your country, you know, that famous speech. And the right. woman, and early in the episode, the woman executive of the studio was saying, you know, if a woman were to say that, she would say something like, well, I kind of have this idea. And, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People were laughing at it because there's truth to that. And so I hear what you're saying, but the point is men do approach certain things a certain way. I, mean, I agree, Rob, but what I'm saying is the, there's a reason that women right, but what you're say talking it about, that way, and that's because of how they're they're how they're raised, how they're raised. How they're ra- yes, so right. I think so they, until that I, changes instead of saying instead of saying they need to be like men, I think we need to say women need to be socially conditioned differently and they need to I be see. raised differently. But I think they were saying that in that episode. Yeah, and that in the original episode no, that I was know. addressed. You're right. Man, hey, she just want to argue. What she no, need to no, do is act like a man and just chill out <laughs> and not be all high strung all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm tired of all this male bashing. Now, for the record, that was Yolanda's husband, JD, at the end, just being his silly self. Don't take his comment seriously. Anyway, this has been somewhat of a point of contention with Yolanda for a while. And I have to admit, after that frustrating Facebook experience I had, my heart has softened a lot more to the point that she was trying to make. Now, Dana North is a writer and co-executive producer for the upcoming HBO show Insecure. It's based on Issa Rae's popular YouTube show Awkward Black Girl. Dana is a good friend of Yolanda's, and she was one of the women on the panel discussion that we had on gender inequality. And Dana made this point with regard to the whole think like a man debate. What, like, part of what what I would take issue with, just in general, whether it was you or someone else, when I hear a man going, let me mansplain to you how, what I think you need to do to to get ahead. That idea of doing the summation that's like, here's what I, who am not a member of this class that we're talking about that's disenfranchised in this way. Here's what I, who am not a member of that class, think that you people who are, here's what I think you should do. That always sends off for me, like a, "Mm mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't see what she's doing here, but she made a face and cocked her head as if to say, excuse me, what are you saying? She continues. You know, so there's yeah. that. As opposed to what you're doing right now, which is fantastic, which is turning to people who are in that group and saying, people who are a part of that group, what do you think people who are part of that group need to do? Dana's comment speaks directly to the point I made about that Facebook commenter. The importance of listening to people of a marginalized group about the issues and experiences that they deal with. And there was another interview I conducted where this example was made. Last week on the regular episode of the podcast, we had on documentary filmmaker Salima Karoma. She's an African-American director who's worked for such large news outlets as Time. That particular episode was about fair use in documentary filmmaking. But I talked to Salima about many things, naturally, one of which was the topic of gender inequality in the business. And she recounted a story that did a great job illustrating her frustration as a woman trying to communicate to male colleagues the issues that she faces. The gatekeepers, the people who are making the decisions and approving things, are the are white men. Let's just be frank. 
And so they don't understand our perspectives. They don't understand the reasons why, you know, if you tell me, if I'm explaining something to, 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 you know, a superior and they tell me, uh, oh, wow, you're so passionate about this. Oh, are you sure about this? Are you sure this is a thing? You know, it comes from them not understanding your perspective or where you're coming from because they don't have those same experiences. So I am happy that there's Oprah and I am happy that there's Ava DuVernay, but, but you, you know, we can name these people and they are quote unquote, the exceptions to this rule of how it is very difficult for women, uh, for women to have a voice in a lot of these decisions that are being made. You know, I see it everywhere. One of my objectives with this series is to come out with like practical, objective things yeah. that yes. that both men and women can do to make a change. So with, with your experience, what do you think women can specifically do to help move the industry forward with regards to this. I had a conversation with my boyfriend who was a black man about this very thing, about these things that women go through in the, the journalism industry or the filmmaking industry or whatever industry. I was explaining to him some of the issues that I have when dealing with uh, my seniors and some of the things that they say to me offhandedly, not realizing what they're saying. And his response was, well, are you sure, you know, are you sure about that? Or, you know, are you just a manager? Maybe you're overreacting about this, or maybe you just need to work a little bit harder and then you can get to where you want to be. And I said to him, as a black man, I sometimes go with you when you're trying to get a cab and I see that you're not getting a cab. I see that, you know, they pass right by you and it's hard for you to get a taxi cab. And if you went to your friend, your white friend and said, it's hard for me to get a taxi cab. And he said to you, well, maybe you're not standing in the right place or maybe you're not, your hand is not out where it needs to be. You would be frustrated. You know, you would be irritated because you know the experience that you have. And I said, I need to be able to talk to you about these things and for you to be even be aware. And he said, well, Salima, I don't know about these things. It's never even occurred to me. So how, how can I help if I don't even know? And I said, that's the thing is that you need to know about them before you can. And because a lot of people who are making the decision making aren't even aren't even aware that these these things exist, which is why you can't get Asian Americans in media. Or that's why you can cast a Scarlett Johansson in a film where, you know, it's supposed to be played by an Asian person is because mm-hmm. the gatekeepers don't even realize that these things are, are, are real. We have to make them aware. And then on top of that, after they're aware, now they have to care enough to change it. I want to say there's only so much that we can do. Chris Rock had this great interview. I don't remember if it was in GQ or if it was in Rolling Stone or where it was. He had this great interview where somebody asked him, what can black people do to, to, for civil rights, for, for them to have you know, all the rights that they need, for them to be able to do certain things? And he goes, listen, there have been talented black people for, for centuries for decades in this country there are talented people we know we know what needs to be done we know but but it's not it's not our problem now it's it's white folks problem they have to be able to to recognize that you know these things are happening and for them to fix it we've already tried we're already trying we're doing it and i think women filmmakers we're doing it we're making great things we're you know we're bold now it's time for them to be aware and 
you know, help us get into the positions that we need to get to. So there, I don't know that there's a, an actual practical answer for a huge shift and change like this. People need to be aware and not have this like, oh, why do we need to give women special treatment? Or why do we need to give black people special treatment? There needs to be some empathy and a willingness to change. And that's more what I'm saying. I don't want to come off like I'm saying it's up to the white men to change everything. It's not, it's not. But I definitely think that they need to be aware and feel accountable. I recently had the pleasure to interview Julie Harris Walker. She's a vice president of marketing and sales for Entertainment Partners. They produce production software for the film and TV industry and are like the largest payroll services provider in the business. Think of them as like the ADP of Hollywood. She also happens to be a producer of the podcast, The Other 50%, where she talks to women in the business about their experiences. She naturally had a ton of great insight. Now, earlier in my conversation with her, she shared her thoughts about me, being a man, hosting a podcast miniseries related to gender inequality issues. You're hosting this podcast. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, I was like, oh God, that is so great. And then I had a minute of, but really, the guy's hosting the podcast? Because <laughs> it, it took me back to, I, 10 years ago, CBS News did a segment, uh-huh. and they were going to talk about how long a woman should be allowed to stay in the hospital after childbirth. And they had a panel of nine doctors, not a single woman on the entire panel. And I turned off the television. I was like, you people have no idea what you're talking about. Like, how dare you talk about childbirth and not have a woman anywhere near there? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was appalling to me. But then Julie went on to admit a revelation that she had. If we could go back for a second to yes. your uh, yeah, yeah. hosting of the podcast. Yes, please. Here, here's the thing. I think because... You see it and you're curious and you're interested. I actually think you now have a responsibility and an obligation to do your podcast. I, I think you have to because you're going to be part of the solution. But at the same time, you can never pretend to be the expert. I think you have to maintain absolute curiosity. But I think you providing the platform and doing it I'm, I'm going to give that to you as your spiritual mission. <laughs> I think you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Explain what you mean when you say, you said something along the lines of like, like, don't be the expert or don't presume to be the expert. What did you mean by that? Um, just that you don't get to be an expert on the female experience because you're, you're never going to know what it is. For example, my children are biracial and I am very empathetic and I think pretty aware of the black experience in America. And I talk about it and I, you know, make it a thing and I talk about it with my children. I could never claim to be an expert on what it's like to walk in those shoes. Mm. And I just know I'm not. But I can be an advocate Mm -hmm. and I can ask questions and I can do what I can do as a white person. I can do my part as much as I possibly can, but I can't ever pretend to know what it's like. Here's the thing, the people empowered to make real change won't be moved to make that change or join the cause if they don't take the time to really listen to what people on the other side of the table are saying. I recently had an email exchange with Tema Steak, 
She's a production designer and art director in Hollywood who started the networking site Women in Media. She graciously offers feedback on my episodes, and we actually had her on one of our Star Wars episodes earlier in Season 1. Now, Tamara and I have great email discussions, and while we don't always see eye to eye on everything, she shared something which I do think is great advice. That men, and really all people in general, should work on listening 70% of the time and only talking about 30% of the time. It's only through active listening that you can even begin to understand the experiences of other people and find yourself in position to empathize and genuinely want to make a difference. Remember, if you're A, a woman, and B, a filmmaker, stick around after the credits because I need to tell you something. Breaking the Glass is a radio film school miniseries and a production of Dare Dreamer FM. Production help from Chris Husledge, Yolanda Cochran, and J.D. Cochran. If you have a story about something good or bad that happened to you in this business as a result of your gender, whether you're a woman or a man, I'd love to hear it. You can record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to radiofilmschool at daredreamer.fm. Or you can go to our website at daredreamer.fm and use the send a voicemail button at the bottom of any page. We just might use your message on the show. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. And if you find that you need more traditional music for your productions, then look no further than Song Freedom. They have a huge library of songs from every genre, including mainstream artists like the Lumineers, American Authors, Lady Gaga, and Colby Calais, or classic oldies but goodies from the likes of Sinatra, The Temptations, Bob Dylan, and more. Now, if you go to songfreedom.com radio and sign up for a free account, you'll get a free standard gold level license worth $30. That's songfreedom.com radio. Breaking the Glass is also supported by Videobox, a subscription service to license premium HD and 4K stock footage. When you go to videobox.com RFS, you can sign up for a free 7-day trial that allow you to download up to 140 clips from their main library. If you like what you see, use that same link and you can get their year plan, that's a whole year, for just $99. Their normal rate is $79 a month. You'll get unlimited downloads from their library of over 115,000 clips. You'll also get access to their marketplace of over 1 million user-generated stock clips at rates as low as $20 to $30 cheaper than other popular stock sites. You support this show and the message of the show when you visit our link. So remember, that's videobox.com RFS. Another great way you can support the show is by leaving a rating and review in iTunes. Let us know what you think. Your comments will help get this message out because they help the show be found by new people and it keeps our ratings up. You can follow me on Twitter at DareDreamerFM and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. If you like this episode, share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, or email it to a friend you know who needs to hear this message. Breaking the Glass will be back again in two weeks and be sure to tune in next Tuesday for our next regular episode of the show. Until then, I'll leave you with this quote from famed American author Zora Neale Hurston. It's no use of talking unless people understand what you say. Ciao. Okay, all you women filmmakers out there, it's time for you to represent. 
I just know there are some of you out there who are considering submitting a video for our vignette challenge and or a profile video, but you're not quite sure. Don't second guess yourself. It doesn't have to be super fancy. The profile video can be as simple as a voiceover over images from your reel. This is your time to shine. Now, I don't know what it is, but there's this part of me that just feels like we're going to get very few submissions, and I really don't want that to happen. But I swear, if we do get a weak turnout, I'm gonna do another video submission for men only and compare the numbers of entries from the women just to see if there's a gender difference. I'm thinking about doing it as a social experiment. I really am. So prove me wrong. Alleviate my concern. A link to more information about the submission campaign can be found on the blog post for this episode. I have one more bonus excerpt from my conversation with Julie Harris-Walker that I want to share with you. It's a topic directly related to that Facebook exchange I shared earlier. Julie really gets it. Going back to what you were saying about um, yeah. privilege. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I've very, I'd say this year with what is going on in the world, I've become very aware. I, I call it my white old lady privilege. And it looks like I can pee in any public place. You know, I can use any restroom. I can return anything anywhere. There's some things that I take for granted that I recognize mm-hmm. are my white old lady privilege. And I also recognize that I'm standing there with my three biracial children. And, and I need to watch myself because we were at an airport a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and we were at, we were talking to the TSA agent and he was being an idiot. (laughs) So I was, I was being lippy with him and I got a little bit in his face and finally he was like, whatever lady go this way. And I was like, yes, that's right. And then I walked by and then I realized my children were watching me. And I had to stop and be like, wait a minute, you guys, that was my white old lady privilege. Do not think you can ever talk to a TSA agent the way I just talked to that guy. Wow. Like you may have a very different experience than what I just had. And, and now I know, like, I have to stop doing that because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be setting them up if they're not going to be in a world where they get the benefit of the doubt just because they're walking through an airport. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Podcast